0: Welcome to Life in the Leadership Lane. I'm your host, Bruce Waller, where I get to talk to leaders that are making a difference in the workplace and in our communities. What did they do to get started and what are they doing to stay there? And today I have another special guest. Her name is Emily Watson. She's the Chief Operating Officer at Land Tower Residential. And Emily, hey, I'm so excited to have you on the show. How are you doing?
1: Doing great. I appreciate you allowing me to be here.
0: Of course. Yes, I actually uh, like to start off the podcast kind of reflecting on like how I met my guests or or came into, um, you know, they came into my path. And for you, we got introduced by a former podcast guest, Denise Snow.
1: Yes, yes. I, I'm, I'm thankful to Denise for our introduction.
0: She is absolutely amazing. So I'm so glad she uh, connected us because we're going to talk today about Uh, leadership. We're going to talk about the employee experience. We're going to talk a little leadership development. Uh, But before we get started, I would love for you to share just a highlight of Land Tower uh, Residential and and how do you serve your customers?
1: We are a developer and an owner of multifamily, so apartments. So, and we manage everything that we own. So, we actually have the privilege to be able to put housing over people's heads. We consider it an honor, really, to be able to understand that our residents have meaningful conversations around their kitchen tables, that they are deciding whether or not they're going to start a family or maybe move and accept a job. So we take that honor pretty, pretty, um, you know, you just really can't, can't do something better than allow people to be, have that home, I'm home feeling and that we are in charge of that. We have about 13,000 residents that we serve with about double that actually in our pipeline. So exciting things at Atlanta and in the Sunbelt States mainly. So we're Texas, Florida and uh, Raleigh and in, in Charlotte, North Carolina.
0: Well, relocation, I'll tell you, We, you know, you just mentioned uh, about doubling the size. I mean, relocation is, uh, has a seismic shift. Ever since the pandemic. And of course, I'm in relocation. We help with the household goods moves, but also um, talk to different uh, customers about apartment and rental. And it is unbelievable what's going on in the rental market. I saw just yesterday, someone had put out there. My son was actually uh, is in the in the process of getting another apartment and he was telling me, he said, you know, just a few years ago, the apartment I got for $1,100 is now $1,500 today. It has been incredibly, it continues to increase. What's going on there?
1: You know, there is definitely housing shortage, and, and in the Sunbelt states, we have been the recipient of people wanting to move from some of those gateway cities into our, into our homes, and forever, there there is the NIMBY, you know, not in my backyard, which I think has really hurt um, our housing. So I think there's a, a, a little bit of a, I don't want apartments near me, who's in there, there's crime and so forth. And really, you know, we house the folks that are empty nesters, we house the, the teachers and the firefighters and the folks, and there's not enough homes um, we can't build them fast enough so i know that's not always going to be the case that there will be you know we don't always get that supply and demand just right but if we can talk our legislators into um, and really the local municipalities to help us understand that we are very much a part of the community and want to serve as such i think that we can really lower that stigma to be able to add the homes that frankly everybody everywhere in the united states needs so it's it is supply and demand. It is simple economics one hundred and one that the more housing there is, the the less competitive the rates um, will be.
0: Yeah, it's uh it's very interesting because it's almost like everything is just aligning right now. So we're in the summer time, so that's peak moving season. And you know, just a couple of years ago, you know, of course with the pandemic, everything kind of slowed down, uh, almost like a pause. And, and now today, uh, it seems like everybody's, ne- you know, needing to move. And what's happening is, is because uh, there's no housing available, no apartment available, uh, we're filling up our warehouses now. And now all the warehouses are full. It has really been crazy. And of course, you know, uh, we're in a great you know, great state. Everybody wants to move to Texas. And, uh, of course, you know, the Southeast Florida and, 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 in in those areas, but it has been incredible.
1: Yeah. You, it won't last forever. Certainly. You know, what comes up must go down, but we have an associate that's transferring to us from, uh, from Seattle and went to pick up his U-Haul and there wasn't one available. Like nobody had turned it in. He was just like, you know, I I don't know what to do you know he eventually found one but it was a bit of a sign of the times so. of yeah, the relocation world is is busy just as well.
0: So. Yeah, it's busy. The housing market, all of that. Um, it's it's incredible. And you're right. We we're, we're going to get to a point to where we find that, you know, that that I don't know, you can call it a plateau where everything kind of levels out. But hey, I want to I want to talk to you today about uh, some of the things uh, I mentioned earlier leadership. I um, want to talk about employee experience. But first, I would love to hear the Emily Watson story, like where did you grow up and how in the world did you get into to leadership?
1: Um, it's a bit of a boring story. I actually <laughs> grew up in Dallas um, and went to school at North Texas. And Lomain I mean, green. Yes, yes. <laughs> proud. Um, I was very proud of my first apartment that I found and my mom drove up to it and she was like, oh, honey, all right, you go ahead and go to orientation and I'm, I will fix this by the time you get out. So she did. So she, um, she found another, another uh, apartment community for us that she felt more comfortable with us in. And my roommate said, oh, they they need some help over the summer. Doesn't that sound like fun? I'm like, yeah, we get to meet all of our neighbors. So, and literally that is how it started. It just got in my blood. So I went from leasing apartments in college to assistant manager to a property manager position. And one thing I love about this industry is that there's so many industries within the industry. So I went into a training role. I've served in an asset manager capacity. Um, went back into a operations side for VP, and um, and then eventually into the COO role that I that I'm in now. But there's so much, and I tell people that if this industry doesn't, if you don't have ADD coming into it, you probably will get it once you're here because it's fascinating. People are, are fascinating. So I just fell in love with being able to kind of watch people that um, I worked with grow into the roles and find what their passion and their calling is and being able to know that somewhere along the way, I helped flip that switch and, you know, it ended up being my passion, kind of my own personal mission for if you will.
0: I love how you talked about helping people grow. Cause I, I want to talk about that. Cause I, I have a couple of things I want to, I want to talk about, but before that, you know, here you are, you, you know, you didn't start where you're at today. I mean, in, in as a high performer in, in your leadership role, you grew And I mean, you, you, talked earlier about your first apartment and then you become a leasing agent and, and all of that. What I like to ask this question, was there a moment when you found your lane? When you like found your calling, your purpose, uh, was there a moment where it just clicked, or have there just been moments on your journey?
1: Yeah, well, there's been lots of moments for sure, and lots of mentors that I've been really fortunate just to say, hey, you know, you're you're over here, you might you might want to get over over here. Um, but I would say well, I was asked as a as a property manager to actually t- to teach sales class, and I'd never taught anything before. And um, I did find a lot of satisfaction in that. And mm-hmm. then the gal that had taught that specific class was doing a leadership class, kind of for a select few. And in that, I we wrote our personal mission statement, and that was probably 25 years ago, um, I'll say 20 plus years ago, so I don't date myself, um, and it's stuck, I mean, you know, to be able to be that young, to kind of know what filled my soul, and then be able to make a career out of it, I, I do think was probably a little divine intervention, frankly, um, but yeah, I, we wrote, um, to to ignite the passion in myself and others through discernment clarification and leadership in a christ-like manner and that was literally 25 years ago and whenever i feel like oh you know that wasn't a fulfilling day or maybe i look back and go you know there wasn't as many wins in that column you know it's usually because i was off of you know discerning and leading and um you know, helping people do what they do best and seeing what their passions are. So I would say writing that um, wasn't necessarily an aha moment because it was pretty easy to get my mission statement down on paper, but I would say that it has definitely helped pave the path on where I'm spending my time and efforts. So.
0: I love everything you said about that. I, I'm curious um, about your mission statement. Is that, is that a practice that you continue today, as you help, as you support others on your team, as you help them grow. I, I'm just curious, do you try to help others write a mission statement?
1: No, it was a class, it was a Franklin Covey class. Oh ah,
0: yes, um, I took that. Okay, it was
1: great. Yeah, it, it was called um, well focus and then what matters most, and then so it has evolved. I still teach the class that they that. Kind of goes back to that today but they did take writing your mission statement out of it so that's kind of a bummer but on my one-on-ones with my specific direct reports we do talk a lot about it like mm. what feeds your soul what do you mm. you know because i just think when you're where you're supposed to be you're good at it and you keep wanting to do it more and more so it benefits them and then bene- and we've had to have conversations with people to say I don't think this is what you're supposed to be doing. You know, when you step into the classroom, you really come alive. Let's, you know, let's, let's get you into a position that I think you're really built to be, you know, to be doing on a day in day out basis. So, you know, it definitely is part of the DNA now It comes up in natural conversations, but um, I'm not using it in a classroom format like I was before.
0: Yeah, I uh, I've had several guests on the show that have talked about purpose, and one of the things that I've heard in in the past as well is purpose is fluid. And uh, for me, I, I remember I I remember going through the exercises early in my career. But also when I published my last book, I wrote down what I felt like my mission was today. And that was to move leaders to inspire and change the workplace. And I do that through whether I'm in, you know, relocation or speaking or, but that mission, that, that, that purpose, uh, that really helps us like drive everything, right? Drive our conversations as we're talking to different people or when we're making decisions about what we want to do, like for the day or when we're blocking out our calendars for the week, right?
1: For sure. For sure. And the class still t- talks to that, like, who mm. are the people that you affect in your different roles that you serve? Mm. And what do you want those people to say about you? And then mm. what will you how will you take those relationships from ordinary to extraordinary? What, what's one thing you can do this week to really make an impact there?
0: So you mentioned earlier, uh, you had some great mentors. I'm, I'm curious. Do you have uh, a couple you want to share? Like, what was it that made them such a great mentor?
1: You know, I've had several and all of them had candor. Mm. So I'm super grateful. I mean, I was young and frankly, it gives me patience with some of our younger folks to go, oh, wow, I had some mentors that really gave me some leeway. And uh, I should probably pay that forward a little bit. Um, My first manager leasing apartments and great advice for a young person, but I still use it today, even with my daughter, um, gave me the advice of honey, you got to say it nice, but if you can't say it nice, get it said.
0: (laughs) Say it nice, but if you can't say it nice, get it
1: said. (laughs) And that's so true. I mean, and some of my best mentors have been very frank, very direct, very to the point of, you know, you kind of got the mom look or the dad look of, you know, maybe maybe that wasn't hitting the mark there. Um, and that's how I grew along the way. And I'm super appreciative that they trusted me with the direct kind of feedback that they had and that they they were willing to help me grow in my career. So that, that's a common thread, but many of them, you know, I have so many phrases that I use on a day-to-day basis, whether it's, you know, try to say it nice, get, get it said, or Um, you know, you gotta, you gotta leave them a graceful exit, you know, Mm. just one of my other mentors that say, you know, you don't have to be right, you don't have to hold somebody's head down to the mat, you know, you can leave them a graceful exit, um, Mm. and they still get the point, and they'll do better for you going forward.
0: If you are listening right now, you need to get out your pen and your journal and take notes, there is so much good here, I appreciate you, you sharing that, Hey, let me uh, let, let let's talk let's talk leadership here. And and uh, I always like to ask my guests um, if someone said, "Hey, uh, Emily, what is leadership to you?" How would you respond to that?
1: I think you have to always start knowing that it is your honor to be able to leave the person that you're working with mm-hmm. in a better place than they were before. So you know whether that means that you take them from negative. A negative productivity to maybe baseline, or you take them from a baseline to really hitting it out of the park. But your your role is to meet them where they are, and then meet them in a place. And I think that's why I like the training roles because I think it did teach me that everybody learns differently. Mm. Um, and I had I had an executive coach tell me one time to say, you know, you have a strong personality and it can come across you know, really people will be intimidated by it. It's their, it's not their job to get comfortable with you. It is your job to embrace them and dance. Mm. So knowing that no matter where they are, leadership is, I, I need to find the language that will reach them. I need to find my body language that will reach them. I need to find what's important to them, um, so we can kind of all get there, but everybody's going to get there a little bit differently, and that's okay. And that's kind of the beauty of the fabric of an organization.
0: That is so good. Oh my gosh, that is what I would probably look at as like the the law of connection, right? You you have to you have to find ways to connect with them, um, and, and and I love that because you know you're delivering something that is going to help them. It's just trying to figure out how can you connect. You know, I, I posted something today and I it, it basically was a, I was just reflecting on how I learned and I was inspired so much by all of the different people that have like, you could say train me. But like speakers, I'd go to these conferences, people that just inspired me and they inspired me through storytelling. Uh, and now I've become one of those storytellers. It, it's, it's just really, it's fascinating, but it, it, you know, whenever you are able to inspire uh, or connect with someone, uh, it, it inspires them in a way. And you just, you just never know where that's going to take them. Right. Right.
1: Exactly. Got to feed their passion.
0: Yes. yes. Feed their passion. I love it. Hey, let me, uh, let me ask you this. I know that, um, you know, it's, we've, we've been through a lot over the last few years. I mean, a lot of highs and lows. I, I'm just curious if you lead any differently today than you did just a few years ago just because of the the pandemic whether you're doing you know more virtual or or just anything differently
1: i will say we offer more training opportunities um i don't know necessarily if that is because of the pandemic mm-hmm. um or and and we didn't realize this but um, There was a survey that was taken of the Gen X. So this is the 24 and younger generation. So these are the folks that have just recently joined us um, in their probably first job right out of college. Um, And there, I believe it was a Deloitte survey. And they said that they are willing to take a job of equal pay if they had more training opportunities right? Yes. At the time we didn't know this, but we offered certification. We offered to pay for any of our industry certifications, anybody that was interested in, um, in, in signing up and going to either national department association or their local and so forth and getting, getting some of the designations. I expected 10% of our workforce to take us up on it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, over 30% of our workforce took us up on it to get a certification and it blew. Then once we saw the survey, I was like, ah, okay, that, now this makes sense. Um, so we we love the fact that they're willing to invest in themselves and we're certainly very happy to invest in their education because obviously that's that's a no-brainer for us, but the, to the amount, so you know, now that we know that that's their passion, we definitely are beating their drum and holding them up for their, you know, accomplishments when they're graduating from those designation pro- process. So I wasn't doing that prior to the pandemic. Um, the during the pandemic, a, a lot of our residents were home, and a lot of those um, mental health issues, you know, where they're just kind of everybody's going to start crazy and in each other's hair a bit, and um, get, you know, and they're always home. So our staff. We've always staffed our properties kind of the same, um, but that was an extra element. And we threw a block party to say, let's get out of the apartments and let's, and we gave Mm. um, each property. You could apply for a $1,500 moment on us because we, you know, again, we, we find our purpose through people are living with us and big moments mm. are happening under our roofs, whether you're having a baby or whatnot. So you could apply or you could nominate one of your neighbors for this moment. And it was probably one of the coolest, most gratifying things for our, for our teams um, that they really got to put the human side back because, uh, you know, there were moments of frustration of like, oh my gosh, this lady won't leave me alone or, you know, they want their filter changed every two weeks or, you know, things that that maybe they weren't experiencing before. But the block parties really be able, it it just kind of got everybody, it is a neighborhood and it is about community and it is about connection So that was, that was pretty cool from the pandemic standpoint. You know, we did it kind of based off of that, but I think the rewards went far more reaching than what we had anticipated.
0: I love that big moments, Um, community and connection. You know, uh, as you're talking, Garrett, you know, the thing that pops into my mind, I just got back from Sherm national and there are a lot of different topics right now, but one of the topics is the great resignation. And uh, they're talking about, you know, the, the importance of what you're talking about, retention and, and and the employee experience and trying to find a way to retain. Like, of course, we know there's a war on talent. So getting talent, but then keeping talent just because what's going on. But one of the things I, w- I wanted to get you on the on the show today also is because when I was talking with Denise also, she talked about some of your experience with uh, retention. And so I was on your LinkedIn. And of course that's one thing I love about the podcast is that you know like you go out and you do your research and I, I was reading your recommendations I'm really uh, always interested in the, in the recommendations and what people say about them people have just incre- so such incredible things that they're saying about you but really it's your your focus um, on really training and, and development so, I had one lady talked about Emily is a great coach and motivator for her team. Another lady talked about, you, you know, she worked with you in the training department and just just her admiration for you as you connected with different people. And I just I, one of the question I wanted to ask you was, you know, you talked about, you know, you found uh, your your lane, I guess, if you will, when you were doing some training. But I don't know, what is it that drives you?
1: I think you only need kind of one person that's been in your nest, so to speak, to get that big promotion. And, um, you know, you're the first person they want to call because they know that I'll be proud of them Mm. before it hooks you before it really, you know, that, that is such a motivator for me because Mm. they're just so proud and, um, you know, if I look back in my career and the folks that have been in my nest, because once they're in your nest, they're always in your nest. Mm. If They're not calling you and saying, you know, I just have to share this great piece of news because, you know, I knew that you'd be proud. And it's things that they probably learned along the way during our time together. Then I haven't done my job. Like if I haven't gotten one of those calls in the last six months, or, you know, even, even three months, then I'm, I'm kind of like, oh, all right. I gotta, I gotta get down, down to business and get back to work. And make sure I'm pouring, pouring into the folks that are um, gonna have futures with me.
0: You know, but as I, re- as I read those, though, I, I'm. It's almost like you know, there's a lot of leaders out there that are very focused on, hey, we got to get the business results. We got to get our profits, uh, our margins in line. We need to get all of this stuff done. But it looks to me like you're very focused on people first.
1: Well, that's how you get those numbers, right? I mean, not that they're not important to me. Okay. Gotta, at the end of the day, I don't ever want to apologize for being a for-profit company because mm-hmm. <laughs> that feels <laughs> right? Good, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, you know, I, I I but those if you if you share with people kind of how you're doing it and internally, actually in every company I've been been to, we talk about it feels good as one of our goals is it's not just good enough to beat the competition. You got to beat the snot out of the competition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we have snot talk on kind of how we're doing that and so forth. And that is kind of part of how can you perfect your craft, whether it's your craft and training, our training department, your craft in our marketing department, your craft in our asset management, our investments, how can you perfect your craft Go from to go from ordinary to extraordinary? to beat the snot out of the competition. So, um, you know, I want them to be fulfilled by what they can do in their own roles, in fact, but also if they're not beating the competition, then they're probably not in the spot that they should be. Um, You know, we will find them probably something else that they can give back to that feeds their soul, but also serves the business goal as well. So yeah, it's people first, but you don't get to those, those are a byproduct of the practice and the hard sweat. You know, you don't you don't win the games on the court during the game. You win the game um, out on the practice field. Yeah. So I think that goes back to what is your passion and how can we perfect your craft and and how can it connect with our business goals?
0: There's a lot. Uh, there's also a lot of talk right now about, and, and there's always been, but it seems like it's been magnified on the employee experience. Do you and your team put a lot of focus on that employee experience? And is that talent development and what we're talking about now part of that?
1: Yeah, I think talent development is all, you know, people like to talk about themselves and they yeah. want to they want to know that we're willing to invest in them um, as well. I will say our onboarding experience um, is a constant evolution because I just, I don't think I don't think i'll ever stop evolving it because you know we've been talking about it for 30 years and it can always get better i'll see something Mm. that i'm inspired by a different company um i think that that um you know where people are starting their first you know who's going to have lunch with me and who do i call and they've probably gone from being a broker of knowledge in their own you know in the company that they worked at prior to now they're having to stop and ask questions and just that uncomfortableness and vulnerability um, that's very much a part of our daily conversations of like, how are they feeling? You know, how how is that person going to feel comfortable raising their hand saying, I don't understand this, or I have a better way of doing this um, and having people trust us that, you know, I I don't want to have all the answers. I want a whole army of people to say, all right, what do you see it from your seat? What do you see from your seat? And then feel comfortable to trust us with that feedback so we can kind of always continue to make a better customer experience, um, whether it's internal customers or external customers. So we do we do lots of different things, whether it's pulse surveys um, that we, they get a couple of questions every week and they can give us feedback. We do annual engagement surveys, kind of just have that benchmark once a year. Um, we have town halls after we have get the engagement surveys back. So, um, and we also have, I, This is kind of a brainchild last year, but it worked really well. Um, It was rush week and we have all of the different committees that they can sign up for, whether it is the spark committee, which is kind of the fun committee. We have the policies and procedures, which really is beyond me why people like that one. But a lot of people are interested in the policies and procedure committee. Um, We have the diversity inclusion committee. committee that is really popular so all of these different ways that they can be our community so our giving back living to giving um, community so they have different lot. it's truly like rush week so get them kind of plugged in so it's exciting to get their passion of what they want to do but really it affects so many other people whether they're serving on that committee their employee experience because um, all of the committees kind of touch all of our employees so that's that's been wildly more popular than what mm. i had anticipated so it's it's that's been kind of a fun ride
0: i think the onboarding experience everybody continues to try to get just improve that right and because and, you know you read about some of the different organizations like the brands like whether it's uh uh you know zappos or uh google or you know where they're doing these big big things but at the end of the day, it's about the little things, right? Uh, it, trying to perfect that onboarding experience, and, and if you can get it right from the start, man, it just makes everything just really go. But I love what you talked about, Rush Week, like Rush Week, uh, because I, all of a sudden I went, my mind just went back to college, mm-hmm. and you know, it's a way of saying, hey, look, we, you know, it, it's a great engagement, uh, and plus, we're valuing you to tell us what you want to do, True. right? And, and, and to get involved and, and where are your strengths at? And, oh, man, there's, there's so much here. Hey, I want to I ask you uh, one other question around this. And that is, you know, for maybe some, you know, you talked about some of your, your new employees, as well as you yourself, right? Coming to a, a company, um, moving to a new company or whatever the case may be. How, how do you develop influence in the workplace, or or maybe what tips would you share that has helped you develop influence in the workplace that might help some of the listeners as they continue to try to find their lane in the workplace and develop influence?
1: You know, I would for me personally, and I'm an introvert by nature, um, but it's worked to my advantage is just listening and then really using oh. their words. On okay, this is what I heard you say and then making changes based on that and then giving the credit to, you know, Bruce was really very kind and sharing that he thought that our onboarding experience wasn't up to what he'd seen in the past. So these are some of the things that we're implementing as a, as a result of his feedback. Um, I think that always goes a long way. I think, you know, when you're actually using the feedback that you have, people end up telling you more because, hey, that worked, she did you know, she didn't shoot it down, she did something with it. Um, you just kind of immediately kind of get street creds. Um, and then uh, I don't know why this is, but when you ask people for favors, there's some kind of soft psychological, like, Oh, she, she felt comfortable enough with asking a favor. So Hmm. getting people involved, but also when you're saying, Hey, do you mind doing X, Y, and Z for me? Um, kind of just gets me, gets, gets me a little bit more comfortable, um, or I guess they're more comfortable with me after mm-hmm. that, um, this little fast track. I don't know. I read it yeah. in a book. It was lions don't need to roar. And I, like I, I thought, oh, that's weird. That's probably never going to work. And I'll be darn if it doesn't. So, um, you know, I don't invent things that I don't need, but it is, um, a nice little way to kind of get to know people on a little bit of a faster basis. When you know that you, when you know that there's things that need to be changed and you got to move a little bit more quickly. Mm. It's a nice, nice way to get people involved.
0: I love everything, you know, everything you're talking about, you know, as I was thinking about, you know, visiting with you and, you know, what could we offer the listeners? And when it comes down to it, a lot of us are talking about, you know, getting talent in the workplace and then keeping talent in the workplace and everything that you've talked about today is around the employee experience from onboarding them to getting them involved, um, and, and, and and just helping them, uh, create more value and influence in the workplace. I just love all that for someone. Let me, let me ask you this as, as we wrap this topic up for someone that, I mean, you're chief operating officer. I mean, you're, you're a high level employee for someone that says, Hey, I want to do what Emily does one day. Any tips, Uh, on maybe a couple of things, maybe, maybe someone's in their earlier mid-career and they're like, Hey, you know what? I want, I want to become a better leader. Any tips that you would share that, that they might think about or that has helped you?
1: Yeah, for sure. One of the things that helped me, particularly in my kind of late twenties, early thirties, when I was, you know, could have gone in a lot of different directions was I volunteered for everything. (sighs) You know, I was on the uniform committee I actually don't recommend that one that's actually a really horrid <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know the I I was on every committee that they would let me show up to um and it it broadened my perspective mm. you know I was probably a lot smarter then than I am now I thought I, I had it all figured out mm. at that point in my life Um, But it gave me a lot of different vantage points to be able to look through and what happened in Dallas, Texas was very different than what was experiencing in our West Coast portfolio and our East Coast portfolio. So um, it was great for me to to really kind of humble me a bit to show me that there's lots of different ways to the finish line. Um, But it also got me exposed to a lot of different people in the organization. So all of a sudden, I had people rooting for me in Chicago and um, you know Atlanta and all of those people that when you show up on time and you take notes and you come back to that next committee meeting and you've completed all of your assignments plus some and then you're helping you know other people finish theirs that goes a long way. Um, so I think it helped. Um, it helped both. I, I learned a ton in that time frame. So I don't, I'm not as lucky now to be able to volunteer for as many things as I used to, but every time I do, when I, you know, when you give you, you get something in, in return. So whether it's the partner association of industry um And I still call on friends that maybe I met on those committees that are working different companies now to say, Hey, in fact, had somebody reach out to me today said, I'd like for my marketing person to team up with your marketing person. Would you be open to it? So it's um, that's what I would say is just give as much as you can. You can't let home base take, you know, a second seat. So you got to cover your first, you know, what you're actually paid to do on a day-to-day basis first, but every, every, ounce of energy that you can give um, kind of above and beyond that. We'll come back to you tenfold.
0: Oh man. I love all of that volunteer. And, you know, I talk to so many people about they about getting involved and, and I'll say, Hey, you need to get involved. And they're like, I want to get involved, but I just don't have time to get involved. And I'm like, you don't have time not to get involved. It will take you to places you wouldn't even dream of. And you just talked about some of the connections that you make, the visibility that you have, whether it's an internal or external. Um, and that when you when you give, it really is true. When you give, you get so much more, right? For sure. For oh sure. my gosh, oh my yeah. gosh, this has been so good. Uh, I always like to ask my guests, as a, before I go to this time to accelerate, I always like to ask them if they've ever been given any advice. You, and you've you given some incredible advice today, but have you ever been given any advice uh, maybe it was early, uh, early with your family or, um, you know, with your current work today, like if you have been getting the advice, it was so good. You just find yourself sharing that often.
1: You know, my daughter actually will tell you all of my kind of one-liners, um, she did just quote me on a podcast to say, you know, if you're not going to do anything about it, you lose your bitching rights. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's exactly right. That's exactly right. <laughs> so yeah,
1: you know, be an impact player of, you know, yeah. if you don't like the way things is, if you can't, if, if you don't have control over it, I guarantee yeah. you have influence. Yeah. So use your influence to be able to make the case and um, you know, you don't have to get loud about it. Just yeah. have a strong argument and kind of data present and, Use your influence to make a change.
0: I love that. I've had so much fun. I told you the time was going to fly. Uh, sure. We're going to shift down to it's time to accelerate. I'm going to ask you a fun few questions as as we uh, end the podcast. First one I always like to ask is, would you rather read a book or listen to a podcast? A book. A book. Any <laughs> favorites? I have
1: lots of favorites. I'm not a I'm not a big fiction reader. Okay. Um, first, break all the rules. Actually, was when I. I was talking about another book earlier but that one probably was one of my favorites because it had that's awesome. in there and um one of my favorites good to great you know mm-hmm. kind of all of the i'm yeah. about to read impact players we read multipliers as a company so okay
0: uh, um, so do you have a book club that. you said you multipliers or is that just a few of your leaders are reading that
1: we we go through Franklin Covey um, with all of our property managers, so okay. and assistant managers. So multipliers okay. is one of those that oh. um, impact players. We just bought, and that's what they'll start in September.
0: Hey, let me let me ask you this. I mean, you you have been doing a lot of things. You've accomplished a lot of things. You've been very successful. What what are you what are you grateful for?
1: My family, mm. for sure. You know, I, we're we're a good squad. <laughs> yeah. we get things said when it needs to be said and it's you know they're just super, it's just they make us laugh and belly laugh and till it hurts and you know it's i'm super thankful for the time that i have with them for sure that's awesome
0: hey outside of work and i know you work a lot um outside of that what energizes you mm sunsets <laughs> sunsets
1: <laughs> yeah i i will geek out over a sunset picture even if it's, mm. i don't even know the person on facebook like i like ah oh, so beautiful like, right it just takes you to, like,
0: to like, another place doesn't it yes it does.
1: yeah so i yes I'm i love that give me a good sunset and i'm i'm good for a year
0: oh my goodness i love that okay so emily this is one of my favorite questions as we wrap up the show here. And I, I love to ask this question. Emily, 10 years older is knocking at your door and you're going to go answer that door. What's she going to say to you?
1: Mm. That is a great question. Probably I should have taken more vacations. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. <laughs> there's no there's no honor badges on letting that pto roll over so yes that's what she'd say to me
0: yeah isn't that the truth
1: yeah yeah
0: well I I gotta tell you I uh you're you're definitely driving in leadership lane I've had so much fun talking with you today I know that the listeners uh, are taking notes and are going to take some things out there if someone wants to uh connect with you uh, about something you said today on the show, what would be the best way for them to connect?
1: Uh, LinkedIn. I'm hmm. pretty avid on LinkedIn a lot. So I like to read those posts. So yeah, yeah, slide into a DM and happy to happy to continue the leadership chat for sure.
0: Yeah, I love it. And and I always like to mention, if you're going to connect with any of our guests, and including Emily, uh, be sure and you post uh, right in there that you heard her on life in the leadership lane podcast. It just, all of a sudden it builds that, it starts that trust building, you know, it's like, Hey, I have a purpose here. I heard you on the show. You said this, or you talked about rush week and I'd like to talk to with you about it more. And, and uh, so be sure, be sure and do that. And I just want to say how much I appreciate you coming on the show and just sharing your wisdom and your perspective and, and, uh, and I appreciate your friendship.
1: Yeah, likewise. Yeah, this has definitely been fruitful for me as well. So thank you for the opportunity.
0: Awesome. I cannot wait to share this. I'll talk to you later, Emily. All right.